Blog Talk Radio. Guys, Guys Radio. This is your host, Robert Manny, welcoming you to the show. It is September 23rd, 2018. Wow, we've got a great show. It's podcast number 312. Our special guest this evening is Clarissa Silva. We're going to talk about her happiness hypothesis method, and she'll be out in a couple minutes. Let's catch up. This is Guys, Guys Radio, the place where when men and women can be at their best, everyone wins. As you know, it all started with my novel, The Guy's Guy's Guide to Love, which is a story about two guys in advertising competing for love, sex, power, and money. It's kind of a behind-the-scenes look at how men roll, and it's been called the men's successor to Sex in the City. From there, we started robertmanny.com, my website, blog, videos, all kinds of stuff on there. Uh, we have over 300 blog posts. Some of them are syndicated out to other websites. Uh, I recently became, I've been working with uh, Cupid's Pulse for a few years, and they asked me to do a straight up uh, column on my own. So we have something called Ask the Guy's Guy. So the readers uh, send in questions, and then I uh, give my take on things from a male point of view. From there, we started Guy's Guy's Radio the place where when men and women can be at their best, everyone wins. And we've been doing this for, this is my 312th podcast. So thank you for being on this journey with me. The audience is growing. We're getting better and better guests. All the guests have been great. And our objective here is to really help promote and put the word out there for people who are doing good things in terms of helping men, helping women, helping everybody. That's what we're all about here. So uh, welcome. Let's see what's going on in the guys, guys world. Today is Sunday, so it's football day in America, as they say. So I don't know if you've been watching football here in New York City. We usually have beautiful September. It's usually the greatest month of the year here, and it's been absolutely dismal. We had another overcast day today. Yesterday wasn't too bad, but today another overcast day. Not cold yet or anything, but just uh, kind of gloomy. And it's been going on that way. We've had that and rain all month. And uh, too bad, because uh, usually we look for an extended summer. Maybe we'll bounce back in October. We'll get some of those nice warm days. And I think it's going to get a little warmer at the end of this week. But September is usually the greatest month. I love to go to the beach in September. I didn't at all because it just wasn't nice. I didn't bother going down to my place down the Jersey Shore because uh, the weather was so lousy. So here we are in the city. As I mentioned, it's football day here in America, as they say. So, you know. A couple of things, a couple of observations there. Uh, One, everybody's playing fantasy football, so it's been another crazy year already, and it's only week three. And there's a game tonight, and there's a game tomorrow night, so we'll see how everybody does. I'm I'm leading my competitor. I've got over 100 points, but I don't know if I'm going to pull this out. I'm only up by six points, and the other team's got two players. I have none, so we'll see. Um, they're not important players that he has, but you never know what can happen when they're players, they're players, they can score. But I made two observations today. One, I'm a, 
I admit it. I'm a Dallas Cowboys fan, and it's tough. You know, they really, they're a heartbreaker of a team to root for. It's just when you think they're going to be good, they have a problem, and their management is very difficult to root for. Jerry Jones, and I think his son does a pretty good job of uh, player personnel, but you see some of the obvious things they need to do. They cut um, Des Bryant, their star-wide receiver. They didn't replace him, really. And they lost their tight end, just retired on them after the draft. So that put them in a bad place. And that's been the story. They have not been able to move the ball because they really have no threats on stretching the field. And it's allowed other teams just to stack the box to stop their star running back, Zeke Elliott. And it makes it tough. Their defense has improved. But today they went up to Seattle, tough place to play up there. And they, they lost. They got some, I thought, bad calls against them. But doesn't matter. They didn't play good enough to win. The other thing I noticed is um, my background's in advertising and there's this, there's this ad for, uh, you know, there's good advertising and there's not so good advertising. Advertising like anything else comes down to decisions. So Acura, Acura, whatever, Acura, the, the car company, they have a commercial and they're using the Rolling Stones song, Sympathy for the Devil, but they didn't pony up for the big bucks and pay for that song. So they have somebody else's singing it and it sounds really lame and you can't even tell that that's the song. And it just doesn't work. So they probably spent a couple million dollars on that ad and it doesn't work where if they would have spent maybe throwing in another million, they could have pulled this off because I don't think anybody's ever used sympathy for the devil, the stones version with Mick Jagger singing in an ad that might be interesting depending on how it's produced, but they didn't, they went, they want to save some money and it comes out really hacky. On the other hand, Sony and also iMac, they both use the Rolling Stones song, She's a Rainbow. And they both were uh, much more effective because they usually use the actual song. I always thought when I worked in advertising that you should buy out the Bob Marley catalog. Use all the reggae songs because reggae is happy music and uh, you want positive, happy music. So now I actually see a lot more reggae type music in ads um, and I think it works because music's a big part of how you do advertising because how many ads have you seen where there's people dancing around and they're jumping up and down and they're all excited about a product. They're kind of running out of ideas in the ad industry, unfortunately, far and few between those uh, ads we saw in the seventies and eighties and even the nineties, because it's a, they don't give these campaigns a time to, uh, to brew and seed themselves in the consciousness of the culture. Everything has to have an immediate return. So, a lot more money being uh, driven towards online, towards promotion, social media. Understandable. It's a quantitative business now. So some of the creative creativity has been sucked out of it. But that's just the way it goes. A couple of observations there. Another thing, um, I don't want to get too much into the whole Trump thing, but we've got this Brett Kavanaugh issue and the woman who is accusing him now. And, uh, you know, they should. Uh, it, the timing is problematic for me that the Democrats and she brought this up now. But yet this type of situation takes years and years, a lot of times to brew where somebody who's going to go on the Supreme Court. This is a big thing if they did something like this. And if they're going to investigate it, they have to do it the right way. They can't throw a deadline out there and say, you have to do this by this time. They have to if they're going to do vet this guy the right way, they have to uh, bring other witnesses. They have to really look in this and. It should be the FBI should be involved just as they were with uh, Clarence Thomas. So I'm disgusted by what's happening now. 
And uh, uh, I think what's going to happen, unfortunately, we're going to get to Thursday and this woman who's a doctor, she is a doctorate, very smart lady. He's going to get up there, tell her side of the story. He's going to get up there, tell a completely different story. And then what do you do? Well, the votes still are with the Republicans. So if they are, they're not breaking rank and uh, they haven't at least. And so I don't think they're going to on this. And then what you have is they know that the midterms are coming up and they could lose control of the House and possibly the Senate. So they're going to pull this guy over the finish line. And uh, now we have the Supreme Court is now politicized. The other thing I don't like is I think President Trump has chosen this guy because of his his viewpoint on not being able to charge a president while in office with any crimes. So that's really, you know, we're really in a bad place in this country where the Supreme Court is being used for one side versus the other side. And it's political, strictly political. It's been going on for a while. But it's time to, you know, make this stop because uh, it's just the Supreme Court's too important to be handled this way. So I hope what happens is they give uh, Ms. Ford uh, her due. And I, I hope the FBI gets involved and I hope to get some other witnesses out there, because if it's one person, one word against hers, against his, he's got the votes and he's going to get through. And who knows what happened that day? We don't know. And there's no excuse. If something like that did happen, there's no excuse because it shows anger against women and it shows that he has bad judgment and he shows that I don't want a guy like that on the Supreme Court. However, if he didn't have anything to do with any of that, personally, my feeling is I don't want him on the Supreme Court, but the, the votes that are there for him are going to get him through anyhow. But that's just, uh, you know, that's just politics. That's my other problem with the whole thing. That's politics. So anyhow, uh, what else is happening? Um, Ray Donovan, my favorite TV show, Ray Donovan with Lee Schreiber, always had started like in the August of every year. This is five years. This is going to be, I think, season six or seven. I think it's season six. And now it takes place in New York City. I haven't seen any promos for it. I, I heard that it's going to come on in uh, October. So we'll see. Looking forward to that. I'm not really all that jazzed by any of the new shows that are on uh, HBO or uh, Showtime. So looking forward to something new. And that's one of my faves. I don't know about you, but it's a interesting type of uh take on uh, this this individual and kind of uh, how fixers are used in our culture to protect powerful people. And we're seeing some of that in the news headlines now. Anyhow, we're going to talk about the happiness hypothesis method, all types of things about uh, relationships this evening with our special guest, Clarissa Silva. We're going to bring her on in a moment. And remember that you're listening to Guys Guys Radio. You're listening to the Guys Guy Radio. All right, we're back on Guys Guys Radio. So let me tell you a little bit about our guest. I'm excited to get her out here. Um, Clarissa Silva, MSW. She's a behavioral scientist and clinician with 18 years of experience in mental health, behavioral science, and public health, creator of Your Happiness Hypothesis Method, her website's clarissasilver.com. She'll, she'll mention that also. Uh, she's developed uh, uh, this method to help people navigate relationships in the highly tech-driven world, which we live in. And we know how, how confusing things can get. Uh, dating's confusing enough without uh, all the uh, apps and websites and everything. But if you know how to use those tools, they can be a big aid. And you can meet, meet a lot of people that you never, never would have met organically. So actually, I think uh, 
tech is a good thing when it comes to dating. The core of her work focuses on exploring the intersection of our modern digital world and how relationships are evolving while addressing self-esteem and self-awareness issues that emerge. She's, uh, she got a re- she's got a relationship wellness blog called You're Just a Dumbass. I love that name. To help people select and maintain healthy relationships and avoid some of the difficult life lessons that people encounter when they're in suboptimal relationships. And on her website, you'rejustadumbass.com, she shares techniques that she developed to help clients create relationship wellness in their lives. She's been all over uh, traditional media and online media, and I'm pleased to have her on Guys Guys Radio this evening. So let's welcome Clarissa Silva to the show. Good evening, Clarissa. How are you? Good evening, Robert. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for this opportunity. I'm truly honored, Robert. Oh, well, me too. Um, you come highly recommended, and I, I love the work you're doing. So let's talk a little bit about um, kind of uh, who you are and what you do and how it's a little bit different than a lot of the folks that are out there. So uh, let's start with like, what was kind of the inspiration for your work, because people really have to feel passionate about relationships. I know you have a background in science and uh, uh, psychology, I guess. Um, how did you kind of uh, skew towards relationships? Why did you feel that was so important? Well, you know, I I really have to say that a lot of a lot of my work lately was coming from my own experience and my own frustration with online and in real life dating in New York City. Mm-hmm. So I really started testing out a lot of my concepts and my theories that I have been using on on clients for decades. I just started applying it to myself and. I started sharing the stuff that was very, very effective in my life on my blog, you're just a dumbass.com. So it evolved from that tongue-in-cheek, well, look at my ridiculous life and look at, like, how this could just be cycle and cycle of just endless dating in New York City to, you know, let me, let me look at the aspects that I would feel would be optimal in a dating online dating platform and just to improve the quality of dating relationships in general. So then that's when I started thinking more about your happiness hypothesis. Like what if I were to, what if I were to try techniques that were really effective for me while I tried to find somebody and I'll tell you today, I'm happily married. I, I tried out my own techniques and, and everything that worked out for me, I just designed as packages to help other people. Well, fantastic. Me too. I actually uh, met my wife online and uh, I broke all my rules when I met up with her and we've been together for, uh, for eight years and have a little boy now. So it can happen. That can be your friend. Yeah. Yeah. So um, let's talk about some of the, you know, the tech can be a a gift or a curse for a lot of people. From from my own experience, what I found was, uh, you know, when I would meet people online, um, the worst person people to meet were people who this was their first online meeting because they were just kind of window shopping and they could be really cool people, but it never seemed to work out except once with my wife. She was she was just on for a three day trial. But every other person I met some really cool women and I'm like, great, but they're just not ready to they don't know what they're right. doing. They're kind of newbies. Yeah. And uh, and then you get people who just 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 dating too much. They just overbook. They're playing, and uh, and that that makes it difficult. Also, and then you have some people who are just very lonely people who uh, 
They yeah. kind of lead with their chin on there. And then, then you have the realistic people who are pretty regular people and cool people, uh, the people you really want to meet and who are most open to having relationships. So what's been your experience, Clarissa, in terms of the type of people you meet uh, and some of the issues that online daters face? Well, you know, for, for millennials, they don't have traditional dating as part of their experience. That's true. Right? They don't, they don't, they don't have bars where they're approached. They don't. The, the internet and the online dating and social networks are their bars. Mm-hmm. Now, and when you look at post millennials, we're so accustomed to being so tech dependent, and we're inundated with so much information and data constantly. It almost has to compete for your attention. So what I've noticed yes. is that. We're treating people like we do our social media streams. We're the shiniest object is what we stop at, and then we move on to the next shiny object. And mm-hmm. that, that's the approach that I see happening consistently across generations and across genders, right? So it's creating this paradox effect. It's giving off the illusion of you have many choices, but in reality, it's making it harder to find real quality partners. Okay. I noticed that's an interesting point. Um, I, I have a, a buddy of mine who he produces the show, and he's a millennial. He's the son of a good friend of mine. And uh, he uh, makes some really insightful statements about millennials, like they really kind of uh, being blamed for a world that they didn't create. But when I notice I'm right. out with him sometimes, and we get together and we do business, we meet at a, a, like a pub downtown in the Fidei district in New York. And, uh, you know, he, he's a good looking guy and he's good, great personality. And sometimes then, you know, women will talk to him and stuff and he never really follows up. And I'm like, I'm wondering why, I guess that's because they do all of their bar stuff online. They don't bother yeah. when they meet people in person where it's completely different, where for my generation, at least I'm a boomer that, you know, that was the first step. Hi, my name is Robert. Can I buy you a drink? Uh, you know, you have to put it on, you have to walk a line. That doesn't happen too much anymore. And when people do meet in bars nowadays, they just, you know, go off and do their thing. They're not thinking of, oh, I can connect with somebody face-to-face first. Yeah. How do you fix that? Yeah. Well, that's the interesting thing because what's become normative is very different. It's it's kind of like the first time that we're seeing a lot of, a lot of, like, a lot of very basic stuff has been omitted. So things like it's become normative to not even write in full sentences. Okay. That's <laughs> You know what I mean? Yes. Listen, sending nude pics, that's a conversation. That's normative. <laughs> you know? You know, ghosting, right climbing, benching, all these suboptimal behaviors are completely normative for people that never knew what it was like to go through traditional dating. And it's causing an erosion of hope for them. And, mm-hmm. and for some, it creates this cycle of lowered expectations. Like DTF is a conversation to people. <laughs> like <Yeah>. DTF. <laughs> That's a way to start a conversation with a woman. Could you imagine going up to a woman in a bar saying, hey, DTF? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it would never like in no other point in our in our history have we ever seen that this kind of would work, other than okay, 
caveman days where they beat you over the head with a cloth right. and drank right. you, you know? So how do you, that's, that's a difficult thing to, uh, and I think a lot of it, uh, you know, the guys, uh, I think the women get it more than the guys. I think the women would like a little romance. They'd like the guys to step up, but the guys fall into this trap where it's like, well, they don't have to do that much. They have these higher expectations, unrealistically high mm-hmm. expectations of the women because they're looking at Instagram all the time and they think, well, I want one of those. And right. it's just, and they, they don't really look in the mirror too much and say, well, who am I? What do I have to offer? So, uh, but I think women still want men to be men in a good way, in the positive sense, and also want guys to make the first move and guys to pay for the first date and uh, be gentlemen. But I don't think the men are being taught uh, those things anymore. So what's, how do we, how do you, you know, you, if you're working with women, how do you t- teach the men? You are nailing it. And that's why you are so important. So the funniest thing is the majority of my clients are men and men are the ones that are wanting guidance about how to approach dating and women. You know what they're wow. reporting to me? That masculinity me. is blurred and that they don't have proper role models, not, not on television. So they could, they could rattle off a bunch of role models that women will have, and then they turn to me and say, who do I have? Like, okay, you could look to X, Y, Z and say, that's, that's a role model on being an entrepreneur. That's a role model on being a woman that's badass. But who do I have? So, so they're, they're telling me, okay, you know what I really need? I need social skills building. I need re-socialization. I need, to, I need, uh, I need a decipher ring to decode women. And, and like, so they're still saying the same things. I don't understand women. And now I can't even approach them. And then I have to be very leery of what I say and do because you got guys sending nude pics. And they're right. on edge. <laughs> and conversely, women, it's like you said, Women still want romance. They they still want intimacy. They want real partnership, especially with the for millennials. Millennial women don't feel like they they need a financial partner, right? Right. But they want they want an emotional partner, right? That's that's where we're that's where the the generation's going. They're not getting emotion from a device. They mm-hmm. want it from you. They want it from from their partner. Yeah, it's interesting, too, because the media is not really helping because you see most of the, you know, I walk down to the subway every morning and I see all the posters for the new shows and they really, you know, a lot of it's violence and people pointing guns at you or having some kind of turning into some venom monster or whatever. And you really don't see like or some the guys are totally dysfunctional or there's a whole group of people or there's shows about women. You don't really see shows about, you know, a guy's guy or like uh, casual confidence, yeah. unassuming strength, seductive integrity, emotional intelligence, timeless style, and somebody who's fun. Those, that stuff's gone, kind of been pushed to the side. And I think, you know, the Me Too movement is, is the right thing for sure. And men need to listen. But that's just one more thing they have to deal with now. And if you're a good guy yeah. and you've been respectful and then you see that, then it's like, oh, my goodness. I think right. um, having read your work, uh, Clarissa, that your uh, attitude, people's personal attitude, if you think positive things and see the positive in things, your life is going to be, you're going to attract positive things, things to you. So if you're a good guy and you keep doing good things and walk the straight line, 
um, you can actually stand out by not doing too much. You don't have to really go out of your way to do things outstanding. You can just be a good man. And you, if right. you will be this, I believe you you can be discovered. You got to toot your horn a little bit, but um, it's not. The bar is pretty low right now. What, what yes. do you think? Yes, yes, absolutely. It's lowered expectations. I mean, I like, you know, I'd like to say, okay, you know, here's a simple formula. But the truth is, that there's so much variance. Individual. It's just so. So the easiest thing that you could look at and say is. Okay, now people are just looking for decency, right? Because if, mm-hmm. if, if truncated messages are, is a conversation, if dick pics are a conversation, right. you can definitely beat that out, right? <laughs> okay, right, okay, so then you're the beta male uh, versus wanting to be an alpha male. You know, you could always beat out your competition because it's normative to be rude, you ghosting. I mean, I'll give you data on my, my happiness hypothesis study, how common it is to ghost, to bench, and come right back into somebody's life, and people accept them back. Yeah. It's amazing. I'm like, you live in a world, so this is the irony of, like, New York. You're at a bar, and you know what everybody's doing? They're on Tinder or OkCupid geolocators right. to see who's next to them, Instead of turning around, tapping them on the shoulder. Like, exactly. You know, I'm like, okay, so now imagine, uh, okay, you can't beat that? Like, anybody could beat that. Tap the person right. on the shoulder. <laughs> like, Hi, you know. You know exactly. But, but um, you're so right. But I'll tell you the deficit. I'll tell you the deficit that, that I see that's occurring. Um, and it's And, again, it's not just. It's not just millennial, uh, you know. So my research, um, I did a comparative sample with America and Europe. I went from 18 to 73. Mm-hmm. So this is intergenerational. It's genderless, and 80% of the millennials reported having experiencing experience with ghosting, benching, gaslighting, or breadcrumbing. All those suboptimal behaviors they experienced mm-hmm. firsthand, right? And they, 50% of those report, of it, report an average of, like, at least three months of this person never contacting them. Three months of no, no contact. The other person was going on an average of eight dates in, on, in, within those three months while the other person is wondering, are they going to come back? Or <laughs> what did I do wrong? Essentially, what it does is lower the self-esteem of that person that just got benched, right? It destroys their self-confidence. And, and let's just talk about maturity for, for a moment. What I see occurring is what I've, I've been calling the second adolescence. It's a concept that's applied to postmenopausal women that are reentering the dating scene um, after uh, with their new mm-hmm. identity. And it's also used in the gay community when they re-enter the dating market after coming out, because they biologically have gone through puberty, but it doesn't right. mean that they've emotionally or developmentally gone through puberty. It's it's like their um, their emotional slate is back to five years old, you know. Because how are we evolving emotionally behind a device? Right. Oh, emoticons like emojis, <laughs> like 
it doesn't it doesn't convey the power of disgust. You didn't call me for three months, and now you're trying to resurface. I have disgust, right? Nope. <laughs> People are like, all right, I'll give this person another shot. It's all right. forward expectations. It's normative. How do we uh, advise people then, daters? Like I had got asked this question uh, uh, for a woman's uh, website the other day, and they said, well, what do you do if, you know, you're interested in somebody and you haven't heard from them, should you date other people? And I said, well, you know, there's two sides of it. I said, yeah, if you haven't heard from them. But, you know, it's nice. One of the things that's nice that you can break the mold with online dating is if you just go out with one person at a time. If you, you know, step aside with that person and just go out with them and see how it works out. Because otherwise, it's very easy to fall into this. You can get overwhelmed by too many dates. And I think that's what happens with a lot of people. They don't know how to handle it and they forget, why am I in this in the first place? And uh, dating can be expensive also in New York City, as I'm sure you know. So what's your, what's your thoughts on all of that, Clarissa? So how do you manage this? And so here's the solution. that I, I say this every single article, every single client. You have to treat dating like it's a social experiment. It really is. If you think about mm-hmm. it, what other decision takes decades to get right? So if you start <laughs> treating, right? I mean, you spend yep. 40 years, 50 years, 30 years, even if it's 10 years, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. So it's the single hardest decision we make, right? So why not, if we are so used to everything is algorithm-driven, Apply that to your life. It's the reason I created your happiness hypothesis. Yeah, tell us about that. Right. So with my my system, I help people determine what they want versus what they need. So they're creating their own inclusion. They're, They're creating their own equation, sorry, that includes the elements that they think they want and that they think they need. Of that, I could I could predict the probability of what will be the most best fit for you based on your patterns and based on your own faulty decision-making. Mm-hmm. Because at the end of the day, divorce is all faulty decision-making. If somebody could have told you, that's probably not a good compliment or a good fit for you, you probably, well, look, the likelihood is you still might go through with it. <laughs> but at least you might have... Right some kind of cautious behavior and maybe prevent that divorce or prevent that marriage mm-hmm. or prevent heartache. Uh, I mean, long-term excessive heartache, heartache. We won't be able to ever illuminate, you know, that's a great but, point because uh, the, most of the women, almost to a person, not a hundred percent, but pretty close that I've asked who are divorced uh, that I had met dating. I said, when did you know the marriage wasn't going to work? And the answer I got, which was shocking to me until I kept hearing it, was the day I got married. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, wow. And they just went through with it anyhow. Right. Which and, is, and, that's and, an interesting dynamic. Like, why go through it if you're really having buyer's remorse and you haven't even consummated it? Right. Lowered expectations. It's, a, it, it's mm-hmm. so easy. If you look at a so if we treat everything like it's an experiment, let's, you know, I, I know I'm a scientist and I love labs. Take your mm-hmm. life into a lab, begin dissecting like I would, and you would see clearly all you've done is compared 
okay, I did a little bit better in this relationship. At least I'm not dealing with this kind of, this thing with this person. So all you've done is built, your ideal person became, oh, at least he's not as bad as that one. That's your ideal? Like, no, your <laughs> ideal, your deal, your ideal should be optimal every single step of the way. Do you accept a job offer that's like, oh, well, you know, it's 30000 less, but I like my manager better. Like, that's not how you make a decision about what income level you want, right? Right. But then when it comes huh. to dating, we start discounting data and discounting elements because, A, we don't know what we ourselves are evolving into. Do we know what we're going to be like 10 years from now? Do we... <laughs> Do we know what we're gonna what we're gonna shift and tolerate into twenty years, right? Because you know, so we don't have the ability to know how we're going to shift, how we're evolving, but we certainly know the things that were always optimal for us, okay? Because the brain does this interesting thing; it discounts trauma sometimes. Right. So, right. You know, when you're when you want to avoid trauma, you'll immediately get those triggers of the trauma, so you'll avoid it. But you're sometimes you're just replacing one set of trauma with another level of trauma that you've also that your brain has displaced. So it's like we're always we're always working in a deficit model and we're always trying to avoid the last suboptimal experience we had. That you know what I mean? That's that's how that's how we're selecting now. All right. So let's say Clarissa uh, somebody comes to you, let's say it's a guy and says I I'm having problems dating. How do you how do you work with the person? You don't have to give away this special the secret sauce or anything, but just out of curious because you take a scientific approach versus like a, a lot of people take like I would call it a more emotional approach. And uh, I, I'm very interested in how, how you work with people and, uh, how, and it's more clinical, uh, but, you know, dating is a uh, mystical type of behavior sometimes. So, so people think, even oh. though it's probably not. So how do you, how do you get them into the, your program, so to speak? So they understand that their protocol is something that's going to help them. So, so what I've, what I've developed, the program is all based on the algorithm that, that the client and I will will design that is unique to them. So I do have a a formula, and actually the way my work starts is we begin working before we even meet. So mm-hmm. when you sign up to do my package, you're going to get a a packet that you're going to complete before you even meet with me. And when you meet with me, I would have already had your history, I would have already started designing some of that algorithm based on on your responses, and then we start creating a strategic plan that will work consistently. It's based on cognitive behavioral science. So not only are we doing the algorithm, they're also doing some cognitive behavioral exercises that within so far my efficacy is 24 hours. So within 24 okay. hours, you will you will have already come up with a plan, and you know what? I'll, I'll tell you in just simple terms. You know what it is? A scientist removes all bullshit 
out of mm-hmm. out of anything. Okay, <laughs> like so okay. any any level of bullshit that you were telling yourself, you're not going to waste your time telling me that. <laughs> okay, I'm going to slice through it. I'm going to slice. What you're going to do is have a you're going to have raw, pure data looking right at your back and saying, this is what you keep doing. These are the reasons why you keep doing them. This is what you need to do instead. So they should take away the strategic plan and use that each time they are approaching a new person, a new situation. So that becomes their, their template that they are using and they're learning in each with each case that they're entering into their algorithm, they're learning of what they're learning more about themselves and what they will need in a partner because it's not tapping into the superficial data, right? Like dating algorithms uses a lot of superficial data, demographics. Oh, what's your five year plan? Like that's very that is that is not the core. Those are not the indicators that that give you successful relationships at the end. You so does this nice help them? Okay. So, so this, does this help like a guy um, qualify his prospects, so to speak, better? It, it, so, it, helps, it, helps, it helps anyone reorient their approach because it's going to it, – it rattles your cage a little, right? Because if okay. you thought – if you thought you wanted X, Y, Z, and then you showed consistently that since you were 15, you've been dating that, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. And, and then at the end, those were all just that, that, that first adolescence desire, right? Okay, you, you got that. So for the last 15, 17 years, you've been dating your, your desired your desired ideal woman, but you're not a 15 year old anymore. Right. Right. So I, what people have to realize is, okay, you know, other than an abusive relationship and the trauma related to abuse, mm-hmm. you're real. You, you, you're going into relationships expecting the same. You would a mortgage, a new job, that level of expectancy and that level of is this, this is manageable, this is going to be great, you know, not just, I'm, I'm doing this and I hope I don't get divorced. You don't, you right. know, you don't sit up with a party, oh, I hope I don't foreclose. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, so there's, so it actually it works with both, it works with both genders because majority of the time people are surprised to hear their own patterns. And why? So that, I think that's, that's the biggest shift within okay. that 24 hours. Because originally I designed this intervention to be a seven-day intervention. And as I refined my model, it it became, like, I had, my efficacy rate hit 24-hour period, and I was just like, this is amazing. <laughs> awesome. Now, you say one of the, you have a lot of provocative things in your blog uh, posts, and one of the ones you mentioned is, uh, uh, you don't have to love yourself first. Uh, so that's a, that's interesting. Um, so tell us about that because I think a lot of people think, well, before I can love somebody else, I have to love myself first. And there's lots and lots and lots of talk about that. And, um, 
tell us what your perspective is on that, because that's a provocative statement. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, yes, absolutely. I don't believe you have to love yourself first. I think... I think as a woman, I think I historically have deprioritized myself. And I think, I think because we center ourselves last and we don't practice self-care enough or we do things for the betterment of something else and not ourselves, mm-hmm. right. that in and of itself already shows a lack of self-love. So what I did was take it to the lab. So I created a questionnaire for everyone to check out about their self-love score for free on your Just a Dumbass. Okay. So cool. they go through those questions, and if they, if they answer no, then that proves that you never needed self-love to love. I mean, listen, uh, serial killers, right? We could, we could argue that they lack self-love, right? Mm-hmm. Manson and Kaczynski got married while they were serving time. Mm-hmm. So... That, like that also demonstrates, yeah, you, you don't need it. I think, I think what we're taught about love, because we want to simplify it because it's so complex. I mean, a lot, I mean, if I were just to talk about the neurochemical process that happens because of love, you're, everybody would be bored to tears and be like, wow, are you kidding me? We've always thought it was like it happens in five seconds. No, true love is a process that involves over time. <laughs> like, but you can't sell that. A, you know, you're in advertising. That's not a very sexy thing. Oh, you want to follow right. up? Oh, it's just going to take you a decade. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. that, that's mm-hmm. not sexy. <laughs> right, right. How do you deal with uh, some of the um, issues? Like, uh, a lot of guys say that women have these lists, and the list, uh, the longer they're single, the longer the list gets. And you know, if they could, they could put up with that. The guys would say that would be all right if it was like a couple of must-haves. That's very understandable, but it gets into these real long details. Do you experience that with some of your clients, uh, that notion? And uh, if so, how do you advise them? Sure. So that's one of the things that I challenge in the algorithm that we design. Okay. Because it's really, it's an equation that you're going to list off the characteristics of what is on your quote-unquote list. Both men and women have lists women will have extensive lists based on past trauma. Men will too, but their lists are not as, as emotionally driven as women. So mm-hmm. my program starts to isolate down the variables that you really think you wanted because you thought that that was complementary to you. You thought that was a better fit. So all you're doing in my program is testing out your theory. Oh, you said you wanted... Oh, the guy to have an every IV education. He had to have this kind of car. He had to have this kind of person. He had hair color, eye color, height. You wanted all that, right? Oh, but the, that guy you've been trying to date. Oh, it turns out 90% of your history they have been apples. So mm-hmm. now let's let's right. examine why. Oh, you wanted the blonde that looks like uh, that looks like uh, one of the Instagram models. You want her to have mm-hmm. these kinds of measurement. You want her to have a height. You want her to have this eye color. Oh, she turns out to be crazy. Oh, oh, that's your history. Like, you know, but the the key is, you know, what I, what I learned is that you didn't need self love. What you, but the truth is, self awareness is the key to our relationship decision making. Got it. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I think that makes perfect sense. Um, uh, one issue that seems to come up a lot in some uh, uh, you, in some of your work is getting people having trouble getting over their exes. Um, how is that? You think that's a bigger issue now than in the past, or uh, it, it, it's a timeless issue for sure? And but I'm just wondering, is it different now, or is it, or is it more prevalent now that people get kind of stuck? Like you mentioned, the person who, you know, they were waiting for the other person to get back to them, and in the meantime, the other person had eight dates. What's your sense of that? Yeah, so you know, I when I was designing my programs, I I just certainly didn't want to create endless amounts of programs, so I really only created three. And breakup recovery um, was the second one that I really focused on. So my breakup recovery program, and oddly enough, I had to create a bad partner behavior program because I was seeing overlap between breakup recovery and the behaviors that are occurring, ghosting, benching, breadcrumbing. I mean, mm-hmm. like some of these people were getting so, so attached to a person that they probably only saw seven times in the course of nine months and heartbroken like the person was dead. So I had to, I had to, I, I had to decide, you know, I create the breakup recovery program and I'll create the bad, bad partner behavior because breakup recovery was also, was also where some of the divorce was falling. So, so what, what I do with the, what I do with both programs is create action plans that help you heal with dignity. And above all, I, I try to create action plans that avoid repeating patterns that hurt you in the past. If you can identify that past mm-hmm. hurt, resolve it, and understand, then you're not re- you're not walking into another another situation that may, on the surface, look different, but then the outcome is going to be the same. And so, a lot of it is just a lot of it is structured intervention, really. Got it. Um, how do you uh, advise the guys who come to you to deal with the managing the you know, the Me Too, which kind of heightens, you know, the uh, heightens the women's, uh, you know, kind of watching how the guy's behaving, and the guy's going to be very nervous now because even if he's hasn't been guilty of any of these things, he's going to feel like I gotta I gotta be really careful about what I say, and you know I don't. You know, we do, I don't think anybody wants to get to the point where you have to have a written, written permission slip to, you know, kiss, kiss two people who have a kiss. And it's, it's getting, it's moving towards that. And the, the yeah. romance is kind of taken, unfortunately, is being sucked out of, out of dating. And uh, so how do, you, how do you advise people on that? Because it's, it's a real situation. It needs to be aware. Men need to, I'll give you an example. I, uh, my book, The Guy's Guy's Guide to Love, it's about two guys. One guy's a kind of a lovable, if you will. He's a womanizer, but he's not a bad, he's not that bad. And he has his comeuppances and he comes around. He's kind okay. of the star of the book, even though he's the second, he's the second character. So I was going to write the sequel about him and I started writing it. And then the women's, the Me Too came out and I'm like, stop. I'm like, I have to listen to this because the culture has changed. So I waited a year and I said, you know what I'm going to do? a different book. And then I'm going to do a, then I'm going to go back to this. I'm going to make it a me too love story. So I guess my point is how, how, how do you, how do you, how do you advise 
guys to de- and women to deal with me too, because men have to, I, because I haven't even, you know, uh, for my blog or on the podcast, I don't talk about me too, because I'm still listening. Now it's been a year right. and I'm ready to have some thoughts. And I think the biggest thing and the biggest advice I can give to men is listen, just listen. And if you're a good man, yes. continue to be a good man, but just listen and don't overreact and don't get defensive and don't start going into what about isms and all of that. Just, you know what? Some people are going to get accused of stuff incorrectly, but there's still going to be a lot of people who get accused of stuff who are accurate. Just step back and listen and observe and learn. So uh, we have to give respect for for women for this. So how do you advise uh, Clarissa? And sorry for the long uh, monologue there, but uh, how do you advise the men and the women how to deal with this? Because it's a real issue and it's not going away. I think it's going to change, but it's not going away. So the biggest shift that I've seen in my practice um, the, you know, regarding the Me Too's impact is really on women's standards. So this is what I explain to both men and women. Women are becoming less tolerant of suboptimal behavior. So some mm-hmm. are going to call you out on microaggressions, sexist or inappropriate behavior, but a greater majority will just not deal with you and just write you off as an a-hole. So what mm-hmm. we, Interesting. your advice is on the money. If you're attentive, don't, don't make excuses. Don't get into, because uh, you never know people's history. You right. never know, you know, the amount of molestation that actually occurs, the amount of rape that actually occurs. It, it, those are shameful acts that women don't walk around talking about, you know? Exactly, exactly. But, it seems like the, the go yeah. ahead. But, you know, for men, if we can just have them reevaluate their their approach, both in their romantic and sexual lives, I think that would be that would be a great place to start. DTF isn't a conversation. Dick pics mm-hmm. aren't a conversation. You know what I mean? If we could just right. if we could just get them to like I've been saying this forever. I wish I wish more men had, like, man schools for, for men, mm-hmm. where, you know, post-millennial generation advises millennials because, some, all right, the things that women report to me are just so basic. Like, they, like, some women have hygiene as a requirement on their list. They want men to have good hygiene. I'm like, what? Like, when did that start happening? Like, you, like how did that become a, a list? Like, Requisite, right. you know. I'm like, you don't bathe regularly. I'm trying to think, like, what? So, so there's there's a lot of work that I think I think the post 35 generation has has opportunity to give to the to the yes under and, and, and they're looking for it. The millennials are actually yeah. looking for some advice. Like, okay. not, they're not looking to be preached to, but they're looking for it. Tell us about your experience. How does that kind of work? And, um, you know, it's kind of things like your dad never taught you. You know, that's what they want to know. Yes. And, uh, yes. So interesting. What, I think what really has to happen is, and it's particularly, I think, the, the epicenter of it is this Brett Kavanaugh issue, is the old boys club. That has to end. I'm a man. Right. You know what? Enough with the old boys club. Like, let's get with it. <laughs> Come on. 
It's it's so right. wrong. It's so right. it's so long in the tooth and overdue with these guys on the Senate, like these Chuck Grassley and these seventy-five year old guys who are, you know, pointing at these women and making rules and ultimatum, and you have to do this before this date. It's so insensitive. Like, come on, come on, yeah. enough of this. Let's 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 not be that way anymore. And it, it can yeah. happen. So, so yeah. uh, last last question. Uh, your best bit of advice, Clarissa, for. Uh, today's young daters, millennials, men and women, what would you say? Treat dating like it's a social experiment. It is. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Fantastic. And tell our <laughs> listeners where they can find you. I mean, you're terrific and you're doing great work and thank you so much. Tell everybody where they can find you and your services and your blog and uh, your uh, dumbass blog also. <laughs> Thank you so much. I really enjoyed this. I can't believe, like, we already hit an hour. I know. I know. Um, it's, so, it's so fast. Uh, well, so it, so um, if you have quick and dirty questions that you want answers to, I'm on Magnify. Um, but for more, the more comprehensive packages, um, that you have to book through clarissasilva.com. I currently offer three areas of practice, the breakup recovery program, bad partner behavior, and finding the right one. You just select the service that you want. We, we are, we're, we're, we're in three sessions, and then you have a complete strategic plan to apply. And, and my blog, it's tongue-in-cheek, you're just a dumbass.com. It offers relationship wellness advice you could go in and query whatever question you might have and I'm, and I'm pretty sure I might have an article there for you and you could also find the the highlights of the your happy, your happiness hypothesis study could also be found on clarissasilva.com and for the free screener go to yourjustadumbass.com self love it's free awesome all right. Well, listen, Clarissa, pleasure to meet you. Great stuff you're doing. I love your unique scientific approach. We need more of that. And thank you oh, for being so you. understanding. Thank you. Absolutely. I really enjoyed this. And thank you for all the work you're doing. You're a gem, a gem. Oh, thanks so much. Just getting started. We've got a lot. We've got a lot more. Yeah. So thanks. Yeah. And uh, we'll be in touch. Okay. All right. Thank you. All right. Okay, everybody, we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll be back, and we'll wrap with a couple of thoughts on millennials, and uh, this is Guys Guys Radio. The Guys Guys Radio. Okay, we're back. Just uh, wrapping up tonight, uh, Guys Guys Radio, terrific guest, Clarissa uh, Silva. Check out her work. Um, You know, we talked about millennials a lot during the show, and – you know, millennials are really, as I mentioned earlier, uh, I, I have a lot of empathy for them. They're the future. People think they're like a pain in the ass and uh, because they do things and they think things a little bit differently. They ask questions. They want they 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 are being blamed in many ways. And I think they feel this that they're being blamed for a world situation and a culture that didn't create a friend of mine uh, who is a millennial mentioned to me, you know, we didn't. We didn't ask for those participation trophies. We got them. So keep that in mind. Think of the millennials, you know, if you're a boomer, you hire in your business nowadays, you get uh, interns. 
And some of these places don't even pay the interns. They have to work for free. It's ridiculous. Maybe they get some uh, transportation money or something, or maybe nothing. It's just for the experience. It's wrong. Every place I've ever worked, I made sure the interns got paid something for their efforts. And it's tough with the millennials because they're following up on the boomers and the GXers and you know a lot of the cultural stuff. Movies now. A lot of the movies now are remakes of boomer movies. You have uh, music. You have a lot of the music now. You know, how much can you do with rock and roll? So you've got so much derivative music coming out that sounds like the 80s or the 90s, whatever. Of course, there's a lot of hip hop and stuff. But I asked uh, my boomer buddy, I said, Who's, who do you think is the Frank Sinatra of your generation? And uh, he said, Justin Timberlake. And I'm like, okay. And I was thinking, wow, have times have changed. No, no slag against Justin Timberlake, but there's only one Sinatra. I would say, you know, for boomers, maybe, you know, Sinatra is a little bit older, but for the second level of boomers, maybe it's like a Van Morris and somebody with an amazing, unique voice. And when you take it down to Justin Timberlake, yeah, he's a singer dancer. I don't know if his voice is that all that great, but whatever. But the point is, you know, it's really tough. The, 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 the bar was pretty high. You know, look at rock music in the 60s and the 70s, the Beatles, the Stones, Led Zeppelin, Jimi Hendrix, The Who. And think of the bands now compared to them. These bands, they stayed together. They worked in music. They didn't like make one hit and then everybody went off and tried to be a movie star. It's a different ball game now. It's just different. So have some empathy. I'm telling our, I'm telling all the boomers and GXers out there, have some empathy for millennials because before you know it, they're going to take over. Anyhow, this is Guys Guys Radio. We're going to be back on Wednesday. We're going to talk about this book. There's an interesting book. It's called Buddha and Einstein walk into a bar and it's written by a guy by the name of Guy Joseph Ale. He passed after this book came out and it's about longevity uh, and his wife. Uh, I'm going to have his wife on the show because uh, I think the book is terrific and uh, it's got a really good message. So she'll be here on this coming Wednesday. So anyhow, this is Guys Guys Radio. Thanks so much for being here. And you know, as I always like to say, guys, guys, finish first. <laughs>